0: Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, I've had an incredibly busy week this week. I am in the process of editing Friday Barnes 11 so that it can come out At the beginning of February next year, 2023. So, um, I haven't had time to write a story for this week. So I thought I would read to you a chapter from one of the Nanny Piggins books. So I'm going to read to you a chapter from Nanny Piggins and the pursuit of justice, which is the sixth book in the series, or as I like to think of it the red one. Um, this is actually, people often ask me, how long does it take you to write your books? This book took me longer to write than any other book. It took me an entire year to write because I had a baby in the middle of writing this book. And just so this age is my career, Tammy from the tall tales with Tammy and mum, that baby was Tammy. So she's 11 now. So I wrote this 11 years ago. Okay. So I'm going to read you chapter six and it's called Nanny Piggins and the Bus. Sixty small noses were pressed up against the window panes of the school canteen, as a crowd of children breathlessly, they dared not breathe in case their breath fogged up the windows, watched Nanny Piggins perform an act of sheer magic. And this is no exaggeration. Throughout history, the world's greatest minds, people such as Leonardo da Vinci and Nicholas Flamel, have attempted alchemy, the transformation of lead into gold, But Nanny Piggins could do something much more impressive than that. She could transform eggs, flour and butter into cake, which is much more delicious than gold and equally pretty, in Nanny Piggins' opinion. On this particular occasion, the children were waiting to see Nanny Piggins take her marble cake out of the oven. It was a mixture of white chocolate cake, milk chocolate cake and dark chocolate cake carefully swirled together. The smell coming from the oven was divine. The children could not wait to see if it looked as good as it smelt, because if it looked good and it smelled good, the chances of it tasting good were very, very high indeed. The oven pinged. Nanny Piggins put down her romance novel, which she'd been pretending to read so that the children would think she was relaxed, but really she was just as anxious to have a piece of cake as they were, and cautiously approached the oven. She sniffed the oven door. Mmm, definitely smells cakey, reported Nanny Piggins. Boris and the other canteen volunteers huddled quietly in the far corner. They knew from experience not to interrupt Nanny Piggins with idle chatter at such a delicate stage. Talking to Nanny Piggins as she took a cake out of the oven was like talking to a bomb disposal expert as they disfused a landmine. Nanny Piggins put on her oven gloves and carefully opened the door. A great waft of delicious cake smell flooded out into the kitchen and seeped through the cracks in the window panes. The children gasped with pleasure. They were supposed to be in PE doing cross-country training, but when the PE teacher sent them off on a five-kilometre run, then went back into his office to read a Dick Francis novel, he did not notice that all 60 children hid behind the girl's toilet block and then snuck around the back of the school to the canteen. "'Hmm,' said Nanny Piggins, as she leaned forward to gently tap on the top of the cake. It sprang back. "'Perfection!' she announced. The other canteen volunteers breathed a sigh of relief. "'Oh, congratulations, Nanny Piggins, another masterpiece,' said Mrs Branston, the canteen manager. "'We mustn't speak too soon,' chided Nanny Piggins. "'It hasn't been tasted yet.' "'But you've never made anything less than a mouth-wateringly delicious cake,' protested Mrs Branston." "'Only because I maintain my standards,' said Nanny Piggins, "'I cannot possibly allow you to sell this cake unless it has been tested.'" Mrs Branston sighed. They had this conversation every Tuesday when, as part of her community service, Nanny Piggins was forced to volunteer in the canteen. Nanny Piggins was not always an easy pig to work with. The other mothers never threw out all the food from the freezer, declaring it to be processed, chemically-saturated rubbish, even though it was— The other mothers did not insist on flying in the finest ingredients from Paris, and the other mothers never chased the meat supplier off the premises just for turning up with a 10-kilogram bag of bacon. But Mrs Branston could hardly turn Nanny Piggins away when it was thanks to her that their school canteen had become the only canteen in the entire world to be awarded a Michelin star. This was a recognition of culinary brilliance normally only given to the finest and most expensive restaurants, and the canteen only held the Michelin star on Tuesdays when it was Nanny Piggins morning to volunteer. It was true that having a Michelin star had caused some problems for the canteen. Food lovers and restaurant critics kept trying to get a taste of one of Nanny Piggins' creations. They would dress up as school children and sneak into line. But Nanny Piggins was very good at spotting them. Usually the goatee beards and pretentious overuse of adjectives gave them away, and they all got a smack on the back of the hand with a ruler before they were sent packing. All right, conceded Mrs. Branston. test the cake. Nanny Piggins turned to the children excitedly staring in through the windows. Are any of you children willing to be a test subject? Me, 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 screamed all the children, as they did every week when Nanny Piggins would turn, with her latest creation in her trotters, and ask the same question. Nanny Pickens began deftly slicing up the cakes, for there were eighteen more in the oven, and passing them out to the children so they could give her constructive feedback. The feedback was always the same. There were lots of hmm mm, mm, noises and oh, mmm-yum sounds, as well as some weeping from delight. "'We're never going to make any money if you keep giving all the cake away,' said Mrs Branston.' "'Who needs money when you've got cake?' argued Nanny Piggins, as she shoved a large wedge into her own mouth. Mrs Branston, who now had cake in her mouth too, had to agree that this argument did have a lot of merit. Unfortunately, their cakey bliss was soon interrupted. "'What's going on here?' bellowed a very angry voice. "'Ugh! It's headmaster Pimplestock!' exclaimed Nanny Piggins." Quick, children, run, urged Boris. And take this slice of cake for your teacher, added Nanny Piggins, to bribe him to concoct a cover story for you. The children took to their heels at lightning pace, running through an oleander hedge, along a muddy ditch, up and over the wall behind the science block, and back to the oval. So they got in their cross-country practice after all. Headmaster Pimplestock did not chase after them, because he was a rotund man who had not done anything athletic for three decades. It's funny how adults unthinkingly inflict things on schoolchildren that they would never dream of doing themselves, like cross-country running and algebra. Headmaster Pimplestock glared at Nanny Piggins, which was a mistake because she was much better at it. It always frightened him when she glared back. "'What are you doing here, anyway?' asked Nanny Piggins. "'It's my school! I'm the headmaster!' exclaimed Headmaster Pimplestock. Nanny Piggins snorted. "'Which, as a pig, she was very good at.' "'Technically, I suppose,' she muttered. Headmaster Pimplestock remembered why he was on the canteen veranda, because that was where the school notice board hung. they had found that putting notices next to the day's canteen list dramatically increased the chance of the students actually reading them. Headmaster Pimplestock walked over and pinned up a new notice. "'What does that say?' demanded Nanny Piggins. "'I don't have to answer to you,' snapped Headmaster Pimplestock." "'Really?' said Nanny Piggins, glowering so hard, she actually made Headmaster Pimplestock flinch and stumble into the flower bed. The ladies who volunteered in the canteen, Aunt Boris, sniggered. Headmaster Pimplestock recovered his balance and tried to march away with dignity, but his feet would not take him, because, after all, he was just a man with normal human weaknesses and a sense of smell. Headmaster Pimplestock turned back. "'Um, uh, before I go, I was uh, wondering, Nanny Piggins,' "'Headmaster,' said Nanny Piggins, "'you gave Michael lines for Amin and Arin last week, "'and here you are doing it yourself. "'Would you like me to punish you?' "'No, I'd just like to buy a slice of cake,' said Headmaster Pimplestock. "'No matter how much he desperately wanted to thwart Nanny Piggins in every way "'and never see her set trotter on his school grounds again, "'he could not deny that her marble cake smelt like heaven in a baking tin.' "'Very well,' said Nanny Piggins, "'cutting him a large slice and holding it out.' That will be five hundred dollars. What, protested Headmaster Pimplestock, and I want to be paid in cash, said Nanny Piggins. I know what you teachers are like with your rubber checkbooks. That's ridiculous, spluttered Headmaster Pimplestock. From the very rude letter you sent Mrs Branston last week, we know how vitally important it is that the school canteen runs at a profit, said Nanny Piggins, pointing to a letter that was pinned to the wall and skewed with several butter knives that Nanny Piggins had thrown at it. "'But five hundred dollars for one slice?' questioned Headmaster Pimplestock. "'You don't have to buy the cake,' said Nanny Piggins, withdrawing the outstretched plate and putting it back on the countertop. A dollop of drool actually fell from Headmaster Pimplestock's mouth as he watched his cake get taken away. "'All right, all right. No need to be hasty.' He took out his wallet from his pocket, counted out ten fifty-dollar notes, and handed them to Nanny Piggins. She handed over the cake.' and I had better not find out that this is the cash for the children's new axolotl tank, warned Nanny Piggins as she put the money in the canteen till. Headmaster Pimblestock made a mental note to put back the money for the school's axolotl tank before Nanny Piggins found out he'd been using it to buy cappuccinos. The annoying thing about Nanny Piggins was that as soon as Headmaster Pimblestock took his first bite he had to concede that $500 was a bargain $5000 would not have been too much to ask for such a delicious slice of cake he walked away mmm mmm mm, and ah uh, mm, yummin, quietly but just as fervently as the children Nanny Piggins Boris and the other volunteers leaned out the window and watched him go As soon as he was out of sight, Nanny Piggins leapt out the window and hurried over to read the sign on the notice board. "'What does it say?' asked Mrs Bramston. "'The school wants to hire a new bus driver!' exclaimed Nanny Piggins. "'Fancy that! According to this, not only will they let the bus driver drive the bus, they will also pay them to do it! And in money!' Nanny Piggins never had much money, because Mr Green only paid her ten cents an hour, and her previous employer, the ringmaster, had never paid her at all. So, after those two, it always amazed her when an employer was prepared to follow the minimum wage laws. "'You couldn't pay me enough to drive a bus full of kids,' said Mrs Kim, another one of the volunteers. "'It's bad enough driving around my own two children, what with all the fighting and wanting snacks, and the government not letting you leave them in a car on a hot day.' ''Yes, but think of all the things you could do with a bus,'' said Nanny Piggins wistfully. ''They're just so big. There's so much potential.'' ''But Sarah,'' said Boris, ''you can't apply. You already have a job looking after Derek, Samantha and Michael.'' ''Oh, pish,'' said Nanny Piggins, ''I can do both. I'm very good at multitasking. I eat cake and bake cake simultaneously all the time.'' So, that afternoon, Nanny Piggins went home and wrote out her job application. It was a note written in lipstick, saying, Dear school, please give me the job of bus driver. I know I will be better than anyone else, because I usually am at most things. Fond regards, Nanny Piggins, FP. In brackets, Flying Pig. Luckily for Nanny Piggins, headmaster Pimplestock was not in charge of hiring the new bus driver. There was a PNC hiring committee whose job it was to draw up a shortlist of candidates. Headmaster Pimplestock used to have full responsibility for hiring staff, but that was taken away from him when, over a 17-year period, he'd had only hired men, and very boring men who did not use enough deodorant. Headmaster Pimplestock did go to the committee and beg them not to put Nanny Piggins on their shortlist, on the grounds that she was a raving psychopath who had burned the school canteen down, blasted a hole in the library roof, and bitten him on the shins several times. But Nanny Piggins was a woman, and there were too few of them on staff. Also, she annoyed Headmaster Pimplestock, which secretly delighted the committee. So they overruled Headmaster Pimplestock and put Nanny Piggins on the list. It was decided that the best way to choose a bus driver was to hold a bus driving test. The three shortlisted candidates were summoned to the school parking lot, where they would have to navigate an obstacle course designed to test their reflexes, concentration and driving skill. Aside from Nanny Piggins, the candidates were Mrs. Thompson, the library assistant. After 20 years of waiting for the senior librarian to die so she could get a promotion, Mrs. Thompson had decided the only way to further her career was to get away from books. And a neat, efficient middle-aged lady called Miss George, who actually had experience, having once been on a bus when the driver had been stung by a bee and gone into anaphylactic shock, so she'd had to commandeer the bus and drive him to the hospital. "'What do you think your chances are?' Derek asked Nanny Piggins. "'Well, I'm pretty sure I can beat Mrs Thompson, "'because I know for a fact she forgot her glasses. "'But being so timid and shy, "'she won't have the courage to tell anyone,' said Nanny Piggins. "'But surely she won't drive the bus if she can't see,' protested Samantha. "'I think she will,' said Nanny Piggins. "'That is the extraordinary thing about shy people. "'They will often perform acts of supreme bravery and confidence "'just to get out of doing something that requires bravery and confidence.'" What about Miss George? asked Michael. She seems nice. I know, agreed Nanny Piggins, and having actually driven a bus before could give her an advantage. All right, ladies, called Headmaster Pimblestock. you will each take it in turn to drive around this obstacle course. You get 100 points if you make it around the course in less than 60 seconds, but you lose points for hitting orange cones or life-sized cardboard cutouts of teaching staff or students. How many points for a member of teaching staff? asked Nanny Piggins. Five points,' said Headmaster Pimplestock. "'What, even a maths teacher?' asked Nanny Piggins. "'Of course, they're people, aren't they?' said Headmaster Pimplestock. "'That's debatable,' muttered Derek. "'Remember, points are bad, Nanny Piggins,' explained Samantha. "'You're not meant to hit the teachers.' "'Well, that's silly,' said Nanny Piggins. "'This game would be a lot more fun if they played it the other way around.' "'You're first up, Mrs Thompson,' called Headmaster Pimplestock. "'Good luck,' Nanny Piggins told her. So where are these orange cones? Mrs. Thompson asked in a whisper, as she squinted in the general direction of the course. They're kind of everywhere, said Derek. Oh dear, said Mrs. Thompson. But if it's any help to you, added Nanny Piggins, the senior librarian's car is that lime green one over there. Mrs. Thompson peered into the distance. Oh, thank you. Yes, that will do. Mrs. Thompson got behind the wheel of the bus, turned the engine on, and gunned it for the senior librarian's car. Fortunately for the senior librarian, Mrs. Thompson did not know how to get the bus out of first gear. So when she hit her boss's car, she was only going at eight kilometers per hour. But still, a six-ton bus will make quite a mess of a small Japanese hatchback. What are you doing? screamed headmaster Pimplestock as he ran over to the crash site. "'Sorry,' said Mrs. Thompson. "'My foot slipped on the accelerator.' "'But you steered straight for this car!' exclaimed Headmaster Pimblestock. "'My elbow locked,' explained Mrs. Thompson. "'It must be my carpool tunnel from having to stamp books all day.' Luckily, the bus was one of the old-fashioned solid steel variety, and it sustained barely any damage at all. So it was soon Miss George's turn to demonstrate her driving skill." All right, Miss George, said Headmaster Pimplestock. Now you just have to get the bus safely around the course. Given the character deficiencies of our other applicant, he glared meaningfully at Nanny Piggins, if you just get through, the job is yours. Can I have the key then, asked Miss George. Of course, said Headmaster Pimplestock, handing it over. Miss George got in the driver's seat and then began doing up her seatbelt, adjusting the mirrors and setting the radio to her favourite station. I don't know why you bother staying, Headmaster Pimblestock said to Nanny Piggins. Miss George is obviously going to get the job. Maybe, said Nanny Piggins with a scowl. She thought Miss George was going to get the job too. But life had taught her to expect the unexpected. There was still a chance there would be a sudden storm and a bolt of lightning would somehow find its way in through the bus's sunroof, frying Miss George to the wheel. Or a rabid squirrel could burrow up through the bus's linoleum floor and savage Miss George's ankle. You just never knew. The engine rumbled into life, and Miss George opened the driver's window. Headmaster, she called. Yes, replied Headmaster Pimplestock. I'd just like you to know, continued Miss George, now with a big grin on her face, that I am a bus thief, and I'm stealing your bus. What the d exploded Headmaster Pimplestock, but no one heard what Headmaster Pimplestock said next because at that moment Miss George gunned the engine and unlike Mrs Thompson, Miss George knew how to take the bus out of first gear and whip it up into fifth in a few seconds. She was soon blazing towards the school gates. Wow, said Nanny Piggins. Children, this just goes to show you should never underestimate someone. Just because they look dull and sound dull doesn't mean they aren't a crazy bus thief. Stop that bus! Stop that bus! screamed Headmaster Pimplestock as he chased after her. Though goodness knew what he thought he was doing, he was hardly going to catch up with a bus travelling 100 kilometres an hour. And even if he did, he could hardly stop it with his bare hands. The children suspected that the only reason Headmaster Pimplestock was running after the bus was so he could run away from Nanny Piggins and not have to see her smirk. But fortunately for Headmaster Pimplestock, at this point, something unexpected happened. When Miss George bared down on the school gates, everyone assumed she would smash right through the chain link gate, but everyone had underestimated Enrico Martinez, the school janitor. You see, what no one realised was that Enrico Martinez, or Dr Martinez as he was known in his own country, held a PhD in aeronautical engineering. The only reason he was working as a janitor was because during all the years he'd spent learning about atmospheric pressure, structural loads and material science as it applied to propulsion he had entirely forgotten to learn English. And having become a janitor through necessity, he discovered that it was actually a much nicer job than being a brilliant scientist. After picking up all the rubbish and fixing the damage to the oleander hedge, there was a lot of time for drinking coffee, listening to the radio and doing crosswords. But Enrico had become tired of replacing the school gate every time Nanny Piggins smashed through it with Mr Green's Rolls Royce. She had done so on several occasions. In fact, sometimes, when she was annoyed with headmaster Pimplestock, she went out and shut the gate just so she could drive through it to punish him. As such, Enrico had rebuilt the school gate using the latest alloy technology and shock absorption systems. All of which meant that when Miss George hit the school gates, instead of smashing through, The bus was actually trapped in the metal, and a remote control system immediately called the police station to report the crime. After Miss George had been dragged away and the bus had been retrieved intact, a very smug Nanny Piggins stood in the parking lot, waiting for her turn to show off her driving skills. Headmaster Pimplestock was a defeated man. My turn, said Nanny Piggins with a smile. The key, please. Headmaster Pimplestock handed Nanny Piggins the key. The only comfort he took was that he had ridden a bicycle to school that day, so there was no way Nanny Piggins could damage his car. Nanny Piggins got in the driver's seat and started the engine. Then she realised that her trotters were too short to reach the pedals. "'If you're too short to drive the bus,' began headmaster Pimplestock with a spark of optimism. "'Piffle!' said Nanny Piggins. "'I'll just drive standing up!' But will you be able to see?" asked Samantha. "Don't worry," said Nanny Piggins confidently. "I've memorised where the cones and cutouts are." With that, she punched the accelerator with a trotter and took off. It turns out that even though she was not a bus thief, Nanny Piggins could still drive faster than Miss George. She zipped round the course like she was driving a Lamborghini, and she did not touch one traffic cone or cardboard cutout the whole way around, until the finish line came in sight where there was a cardboard cutout of Headmaster Pimplestock on the side of the road. Nanny Piggins could not resist. She swerved to drive straight over the top of it, smashing the Headmaster's image into the bitumen, then righted her course and crossed the line. You deliberately ran me down, complained Headmaster Pimplestock. Yes, but that was my only mistake, so I still got 95 points, explained Nanny Piggins happily. You'd never drive that way in real life, though, would you? asked Headmaster Pimplestock. Oh, of course not, fibbed Nanny Piggins. And so Nanny Piggins got the job. It came with a uniform, which Nanny Piggins immediately burned because it was so ugly. Except for the hat, she liked the official-looking badge in the centre of the blue cap, and she found that she looked even more fabulous than usual if she wore it perched on her head at a jaunty angle. The children soon found that the best thing about having their nanny become a bus driver was that there was no more waiting at the bus stop. Nanny Piggins backed the bus right into their driveway to pick them up. Then they all set off to pick up the other children. Boris came along too. He loved riding on the bus. It was the only type of vehicle that made him feel thin. All the other children were very pleased to see Nanny Piggins because, unlike the former bus driver, she did not have a deep hatred of children. She actually picked the children up from every bus stop and waited until they had both feet inside the bus before pulling away. Samson and Margaret Wallace were the last two children to climb aboard. Their nanny, Nanny Anne, was with them. "'Moonlighting again, are you, Nanny Piggins?' she asked slyly. "'Sorry, what was that? I can't hear you,' said Nanny Piggins. Nanny Anne stepped closer. "'I said, Moonlighting again?' Nanny Piggins cupped her trotter to her ear. "'Nope, still can't hear you. Come closer!' Nanny Ann took another step forward. "'I said, Moon—' Nanny Piggins shut the bus doors, bumping Nanny Ann's nose and making a satisfying pneumatic sound that drowned out her unsolicited advice. "'All right, is everyone aboard?' asked Nanny Piggins. "'Yep,' confirmed Samantha, double-checking the list.' Time to go to school, added Derek. Rightio, then, said Nanny Piggins. She turned on the engine, found first gear, and adjusted her cap. Let's, Nanny Piggins turned to glance at her passengers, and she froze. Nanny Anne started tapping on the window. What's going on? Her muffled voice demanded. Is something wrong, Nanny Piggins, asked Michael. I I can't do it, muttered Nanny Piggins, as she looked at the 40 young faces. What, asked Samantha, starting to panic. She knew it wouldn't last. Her nanny was going to break the rules again. I can't take these children to school. I don't believe in school, said Nanny Piggins. What if the teachers are planning on doing something awful to them? Like give them a maths test. The green children looked at each other. Actually, they are, confessed Derek. Today is the day for the school's annual standardised examinations. Nanny Piggins looked at the bus full of children. Is that true? do you all have tests today? The children nodded, except for one small girl who had not done her homework for six months because she had secretly been watching both the young and the irritable and the bold and the spiteful in her room every night when she was supposed to be revising maths. She burst into tears. You poor, poor children, sympathised Nanny Piggins. Don't worry. I'm here now. I will save you. "'What are you going to do?' wailed Samantha. She disliked standardised testing as much as the next child. Seeing all those tiny boxes marked A, B, C and D made her want to be sick. But the thought of not doing them and getting zero for everything horrified her even more. "'I'm going to get you out of here,' declared Nanny Piggins, hitting the accelerator and doing a U-turn. As they powered down the road, the children could hear the cries of Nanny Anne fading behind them as she yelled, "'Come back! You're going the wrong way!' "'Where are we going?' asked Derek, not wanting to discourage his nanny, but curious about what she had in mind. First, we have to stop for supplies,' said Nanny Piggins. "'At an army disposal store so we can prepare for a lifetime on the run?' asked Michael. "'No, although maybe we'll do that later,' conceded Nanny Piggins. "'We have to get essential supplies first, "'which means we'll have to stop by Hahn's Bakery. "'It's Tuesday, and as you know, he bakes caramel eclairs on Tuesdays. "'We can't miss that.' Nanny Piggins brought the bus to a screeching halt at the front of the bakery. All right, everybody inside. Today, I'm going to give you a real education, starting with maths, announced Nanny Piggins. The children groaned. There's something about maths. Even children who are good at it don't particularly enjoy it. The type of mathematics I shall teach you today is the most essential type of mathematics you will ever need to know, said Nanny Piggins. Even more important than how to convert your shoe size from European to North American sizes. And way, way, way more important than any of that calculus nonsense or that Pythagoras fellow came up with. Why he couldn't just accept that a triangle is just a triangle and get on with his life is beyond me. Nanny Piggins led the children inside, then got them all to empty their pockets so they could pull their money. Okay, now for addition. We need to add up how much we've got. Between the 40 children, they managed to scrape together $57. Right, said Nanny Piggins. Now the painful bit. Does anybody know how to do long division? "'But you've always told us that long division is a load of old poppycock "'and a waste of brain space,' said Michael. "'This is the one time that I permit it,' conceded Nanny Piggins, "'and we have an important problem to work out. "'If eclairs are $2.80 and we have $57, how many eclairs can we buy?' "'What followed was a long and protracted debate. "'Some of the children tried taking out paper and working it out that way. "'Others fogged up the glass with a cake display and did their calculations there.' Then they all argued because they kept getting different results. Eventually, Nanny Piggins stepped in and showed them how long division was really done. She ordered Hans to lend her his calculator and had the correct result in seconds 20.3571. But how do you measure 0.3571 of a cake? asked Michael. And does that mean that 19.6429 of us will go without? asked Derek desperately hoping he wasn't one of the 19.6429. "'Of course not,' said Nanny Piggins. "'Now I shall give you a lesson in rhetoric.' "'What's rhetoric?' asked Michael. "'Oh, it's ancient Greek for arguing,' explained Boris. Nanny Piggins proceeded to beg, demand, and cajole Hans until he could not take the onslaught any more and just gave her 40 eclairs for free.' Nanny Piggins spent so much time in his shop, he knew he would eventually recoup the loss. Nanny Piggins then invested the $57 in donuts, which thankfully were $1 each, and therefore the maths was much simpler. And so the day continued. Nanny Piggins gave the children an engineering lesson by taking them to the creek and showing them how to build a dam with stones. Then she taught a biology lesson by catching tadpoles, a physics lesson by jumping high in the air and doing a bomb into the creek, splashing them all, and an English lesson by introducing them to some very colourful language when she realised she'd just ruined her suede slingback shoes. They even did a cross-country run when they heard an ice cream van and set out after it across a large and sticky bog. When they caught up with the ice cream van, they remembered that they did not have any money, but now all the children knew how to do rhetoric, the ice cream man soon caved in after being yelled at by 40 children, a pig and a bear. By 3.30pm, the children were exhausted from a full day of learning and actually asked to be driven home so they could get some sleep. Every one of them smiled happily and thanked Nanny Piggins for the best day at school ever, largely because they had never made it to school. Then Nanny Piggins drove the school bus home to drop off Derek, Samantha and Michael. And that's where they found Headmaster Pimplestock outside their house waiting for them. You've done it this time, Piggins, he accused. You are fired. You're worse than fired. I'm going to have you arrested for kidnapping 40 children. But I'm the school bus driver, argued Nanny Piggins. It's my job to kidnap children. It's just that instead of taking them to where they didn't want to go, I took them somewhere they did want to go, on a fun day of adventure with me. And you can't have Nanny Piggins arrested, added Derek. Why not, yelled Headmaster Pimplestock. I'd love to see her in jail. Finally, I'd have some peace and quiet in the school again. But you'd lose your job, explained Derek. You're the one who gave the bus driving job to a pig whose trotters don't even touch the pedals and who has no respect for authority, added Samantha, and who doesn't even have a driver's license, finished up Michael. You don't have a driver's license, asked Headmaster Pimplestock, going pale. He was going to look very silly for not checking that. Of course not, said Nanny Piggins. I absolutely refuse to let those people at the motor registry take my photograph. Their lighting setup is terrible. They seem to take cruel delight in making everyone look like they've been dead for six months. Well, the PNC is meeting tomorrow after school, said Headmaster Pimplestock. I will be reporting to them, and they can decide what to do with you. The PNC had a very difficult decision to make. It was true that Nanny Piggins had taken 40 students off on an impromptu excursion without obtaining the sacred passports of all off-campus activities permission notes. However, it was also undeniable that the day after they returned, the same 40 students did extraordinarily well on their standardized testing. The huge improvement of these students relative to their classmates could only be attributed to their having been on the most educational school excursion ever it was quite the conundrum. In the end, they reached a compromise. The committee did fire Nanny Piggins, but not for kidnapping children or her improvised school excursion. She was fired for using a fortnight's worth of petrol in one day. After all, petrol prices were expensive, and the PNC could not be seen to condone their bus driver, adding an extra 340 kilometres onto the journey to school every day. But the PNC also institutionalized the annual Nanny Piggins Day school excursion, where Nanny Piggins' wonderful day of adventure would be meticulously reenacted by the entire student body for educational purposes. The end. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that story. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.